I will not be singing my sermon this morning. Did someone say awe? Okay, here it goes. Ready? No, no, I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't humiliate myself like that. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, that skit this morning, dead on, fantastic, appreciate it so much. We have had so much fun with the small group series over the past, if you can believe it, it's almost been two months. And we've been talking about how to have proper relationships with one another, how to get along, uh, to realize that we can't live this Christian life on our own. We, we need each other. And f- in order for us to really be strong spiritually, in order for us to really carry out the commands of Christ, we need to do it together. And we had, uh, we've had so many fantastic stories, things that uh, people have reported to us and ways that their hearts have been touched. The three kids that uh, gave their testimony from the Bible college, uh, in case it wasn't clear, it was our small group that got together all kinds of goodies and, and, and money and gift cards, and we sent it to them. And I'll tell you, we have just been so amazed at their response, how grateful they are. But it's something we did as a, as a small group, and we had such a good time. Now, one of the things that everybody knows here is we talk about how relationships is everything. That This is the sum total of life. With, without understanding this, then this life doesn't make sense, and we really don't get this life right. We understand life is about relationships. It's about a relationship to God, which we call the vertical, and it's about a relationship to one another, which we call the horizontal. So we've just been talking about the horizontal and how important it is to make sure we've got good relationships. What I want to talk to now as we are heading into Easter is I want to talk to you uh, about the importance of our relationship to God and understanding what that relationship is. Back in 1982, I was uh, finishing up my, my Bible college year. It was uh, actually the end of, end of my training. And... We were given an assignment in our Romans class. We took a, the whole class just on the book of Romans. And one of our assignments was to read through the whole book. I read through Romans, really quite moved by it. But then I hit chapter 8. And I can tell you, everything changed from that moment on. Romans chapter 8 was a game changer for me, spiritually speaking. Now, before I get into the reasons why, let me just say this. In chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, the one who who writes that chapter, or who writes that book, he says this. He says, I have a real struggle with sin, which is kind of a surprise coming from the great Apostle Paul. You would think, man, if there was ever a guy that was perfect and who had it all together and who didn't make mistakes, it would be the Apostle Paul, right? Wrong. He is and was just like you and me. And so in Romans chapter 7, he, he talks about his struggle with sin. Now, this was really quite exciting for me because as somebody who was reading this chapter, I, too, struggled with sin. And in case you don't know what sin is, it's anything that doesn't please God. You know you're sinning because you feel guilty inside. You feel, you feel ashamed. You, your conscience pricks you. You know that things aren't right. So the Apostle Paul says, here's my dilemma. He says, I know the things I'm supposed to do. I know them. He's he's a scholar. Uh, He's a trained scholar, actually. Uh, He knew the scripture better than anybody. And he says this. He says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. Anybody relate to that? The things I don't want to do, I do. 
He says this. He says, I'm a wretched man. I am wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this, this wretchedness? Who will deliver me from this horrible cycle of sin? Who will deliver me and set me free from this? And then he makes this glorious statement. He says, thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to talk to you about life in the Spirit. You and I can never live this life in the Spirit until we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's exactly what happens with the Apostle Paul. He understands that the only way that he's going to get victory over sin, the only way that he's going to rise above that is if he learns what it means to live life in the Spirit. And then it goes on to Romans chapter 8. Beautiful segue into Romans 8. So chapter 7 talks about how wretched life is because we keep sinning and doing the wrong thing. And then, and then he goes into Romans chapter 8. And here's what he says. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, because you belong to Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Folks, we're going to be hitting Easter in just about six weeks. And what so many people don't know about Easter is that it's a celebration of a brand new life, this life in the Spirit. It's a celebration of what Jesus does in us and how Jesus helps us overcome that life of sin. Now, something very supernatural will take place here this morning because we're talking about something that is more than, than just something that you do. We're talking about something that the Holy Spirit does in you, something that is really outside of your control. And so before I go any further, I want to take a moment to pray and ask God to do something very special in your heart and in your mind this morning. So would you just pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you, God, for what you want to do in our lives this morning. Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh on us? Open our hearts and our minds to receive truth. Help us, O oh God, to understand this new life that's ours through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. As I read Romans chapter 8, I recognized something. I recognized that Jesus Christ had set me free from the power of sin. Listen to this, folks. You no longer have to follow your sinful nature. Can I say it again? You no longer have to follow your sinful nature. Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit when we were born again. And a lot of people don't know that. Here's my experience. In my early years as a Christian, I thought that I had to be perfect. I thought that as I lived my Christian life, I, I had to be careful not to ever sin or ever make a mistake. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then the first time you make a mistake, the first time that you sin, the first time you, it all falls apart, you think, oh, well, I guess I'm not a Christian. I better go to the pastor and get saved again. I was saved about 20 times when I was a kid. 
because I didn't understand this. I thought that if I failed, if I wasn't perfect, if I made a mistake, that I wasn't a Christian. I'm going to tell you something. This is probably the biggest error that every Christian makes. The notion that somehow you and I can please God by being perfect. That you and I have got what it takes to be good and to be perfect all the time. I'm going to tell you right now, right here and right now, you and I don't have that ability. You do not have the ability to perfect. I don't have the ability to be perfect. Now, that may come as a shock to you because I'm the pastor, and I went to Bible school, and I'm ordained, right? And I'm Reverend Alan Denkaff, and you're saying, Pastor Alan, are you telling me that you still sin? I hate to break it to you. And I know it comes as a shock, and maybe some will leave right now. But yes, I do. And guess what? So do you. And you, and you, and you, and you. We all do. So what we need then is we need to understand what it means to be a Christian. What is Easter really all about? I'll tell you in a nutshell. It's about living life in the Spirit. It's about letting Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, dwell in us richly to empower us to live a life that's pleasing to God. So I'm going to tell you, I read Romans chapter 8, and we'll be talking about it over the next number of weeks. I read Romans chapter 8, and the truth of it hit me so hard and so powerfully that I just found myself all alone in my bedroom just sobbing before God, praising the Lord. I don't know if anybody has ever had an experience like that. I'm in the presence of God. I'm tears streaming down my cheeks. I'm praising the Lord. I'm thanking him. I've got gratitude in my heart. I am just so on fire, so excited. Why? Because I found the secret. I found the secret to living a life that pleases God. That's what I want to share with you today. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you over the next number of weeks. There's only two times in my life that I've stayed awake all night because I was so excited. The first time is when Gloria said yes when I asked her to marry me. And I know she felt the same way. Because when I asked her to, will you marry me, I heard her over the phone, jumping up and down and screaming. She was with my sister in Winnipeg. I was in Greece. And she said yes. And all of a sudden I realized that Gloria was going to be my life forever. And I was there in Greece all alone, unable to celebrate with anybody. I couldn't tell anybody. I told Jesus all about it. Turns out he knew. (laughs) I couldn't sleep that night because something that was so spectacular was going to happen to me. I was going to be Mr. Alan Duncalf with Gloria Duncalf. Wow. The second time that I stay awake all night because I was so excited was because of Romans chapter 8. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is, you've heard me say this before. It's one of my favorite chapters. Some would say it was the greatest chapter ever written in the whole Bible. And really, this is the first time, I've, I don't know why, but this is the first time I've ever done a series on this. So I'm really excited about what's coming in the days ahead. So here's what I need you to do for me. I'm asking, I'm humbly 
kindly, lovingly asking you, would you please read Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7? Could you read it this week? So if you start today, read Romans chapter 1. By the time you come here next Sunday, you'll have had all seven chapters read if you read one chapter a day. You can do the arithmetic later. We're going to start focusing on, on Romans chapter 8, and you are going to see what it is and what it means to live life in the Spirit. So the very first thing that we discover about living life in the Spirit, look at verse, verse 1. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, here's what I know about all of us is that all of us really, really struggle with the Christian life because we often feel condemned. We feel we've dropped the ball. We've messed up. We feel, oh, I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible father. If I were a better Christian, I wouldn't have said this. I wouldn't have done that. I would be, I would be better. How many know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one here? You know what I'm talking about. I, if, if I was a better Christian, I would have said that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't have been part of this. I wouldn't have been part of that. And you feel such condemnation. And you feel like, oh, God, I can't live this life. It's too hard. And listen, I'm so glad today if you've come to the place in your Christian life where you're saying, it's too hard, I can't do this, because now you're ready to allow the Spirit of God to work in you. If you're, the, if you're one of those people that think you can do it on your own, then you're in for real pain and heartache ahead. But if you understand today that the Spirit of God wants to work in you and through you, then folks, you are about to embark on the greatest part of your Christian journey. It's a journey where the Spirit of God takes control of your life. When you became a Christian, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came not just upon you, but in you. The Holy Spirit filled you. In fact, the Bible says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit so that one day, if you should die, you're going to stand before God and God is going to see that you have the Holy Spirit, which means you belong to Jesus Christ. That's, that's a guarantee, folks. That's what happens. The Bible says that in Ephesians. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. Now, if you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, this means that the Spirit of God is at work in you. Some people have a wrong idea of what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. Some people think if the Holy Spirit is in you, that must mean that you must speak in tongues all the time and have spiritual gifts and manifestations. Well, I'm going to say that that may be part of the Christian experience, but I'm going to tell you what the main part of the Christian experience is. And it's this, that you begin to exhibit what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul says against these things there is no law. So listen to this, listen. When the Spirit of God is at work in you, you begin to produce a fruit in your life that you cannot produce on your own. This is what it means to become a Christian. This is what it means to be a believer. What you couldn't do on your own because you didn't have the strength, you didn't have the ability, you didn't have the willpower, suddenly you're able to exhibit love towards those people that you work with, which everybody else hates, but you love because they're so difficult. That's the Spirit of God at work in you. You're driving along. Everybody else is impatient, but you're patient. Why is that? Because the Spirit of God is at work in you. Well, others are ready to quit. You're, you're, you're faithful. You're steadfast. Why? Because the Spirit of God is at work within you. Well, others are harsh. You're gentle. 
because of the Spirit of God at work in you. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Now here's what I know. I know that there are forces at work that would like to condemn me and judge me all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? You know what it's like. Some of you have got parents who are very judging and very condemning, and they're quick to put you down. They're quick to tell you you're a loser, you're a failure, you never amount to anything. What kind of a Christian are you? You call yourself a Christian. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us have had all kinds of condemnation and judgment. All kinds of people telling us that we're no good. And we listen to those voices. But Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is it doesn't stick. And it's not just religious people and family and friends and people that, that uh, don't really care and don't really understand that are judging and condemning us. We have somebody in our life, every one of us, his name is Satan. And the Bible says that he is called the accuser of the brothers and sisters. Listen to this. In Revelation 12.10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. You know what I'm talking about? Satan who constantly says, hey, you're never going to make it. You're no good. You call yourself a Christian. Everybody knows what a fraud you are. Everybody knows what a hypocrite you are. And you start listening to that voice, and you start thinking, oh, well, maybe I can't live this Christian life. Maybe I can't do this Christian life. Maybe this Christian life is not for me. Satan stands, but the Bible says Satan stands before the throne of God, accusing all of us day and night. And some of us believe those, that condemnation. Some of us believe those accusations. But the Apostle Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if it were not enough that, that people in our life condemn us, and if it were not enough that we condemn ourselves, or that, that Satan condemns us, we condemn ourselves. You know what I'm talking about? We, we, we're, we're really impatient with ourselves. And every time we make a mistake, we think, oh, well, I can't live this Christian life. Now, I'm going to just tell you something right now. For 1,500 years, the Israeli people tried to please God by keeping all the laws and never breaking any of the rules. But guess what? It tells us that in the Scripture that they kept breaking the rules. They kept breaking the law. And some people, frankly, just gave up and said, well, you know, I can't, I can't please the God of Israel because I can never measure up. And they end up condemning themselves and judging themselves and excluding themselves from the promises of God. Some of us here today are doing just that. You condemn yourself, you judge yourself, you, you, you look in the mirror in the morning, you hate what you're looking at. And what you don't realize this morning is that when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you asked Jesus into your life, the old you died. And you became a brand new creation. So what you're looking at today is not the Alan Duncalf that was born into this world. You're looking at the Alan Duncalf who when he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, the old Alan died and there's a brand new Alan here. And Gloria says hallelujah. I say hallelujah.
When I look out across this congregation this morning, I know many of you have given your hearts to Christ, and I know this about you. The old you is dead. Did you know that baptism, when you're baptized in water, it's a celebration of the old you being buried and then the new you coming back, coming to life? This new you that comes up into, and becomes a brand new creation, it's this new you that's, that's not under condemnation or judgment anymore. The old you is, but the new you is not. I'm a new, I'm a new Alan Duncalf. The old Alan Duncalf's been buried. When I became a Christian, when I asked Jesus into my life, the old Alan Duncalf died and was buried. And I'm a brand new creation, I'm a brand new creature. What do you think? I'm a brand new creation. I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. And it's not because anybody here says I'm wonderful or awesome. It's not even because Gloria tells me this all the time. I'm starting to believe her. (laughs) It's because Jesus tells me I'm awesome and I'm wonderful. Can I get a witness this morning? You're awesome. You're wonderful because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. He's created a new you that is no longer under condemnation or judgment. Satan can rail against you. He can say whatever he wants against you. But here's what I know for sure. That if you have given your heart to Jesus and you've been born again, it's a new you and Satan cannot touch you. Can I ask you a question? If that's the case, why do you believe him? When he comes along condemning you and judging you, telling you you're so stupid, you're so dumb, you're such a loser, you're so unspiritual, you're so ungodly. Why do you listen to him? Tell him to go to hell where he belongs. Yes, I said that in church, didn't I? <laughs> Folks, this is Christianity. You've been set free. You are no longer under condemnation. You're no longer under judgment. But you have to know who you are in Christ. You're a brand new creation. And the old you no longer can be condemned. Why? Because, folks, listen to me, and this is so important that you get this. Listen to me, listen. You are no longer living this Christian life in your own power or strength. You gotta get this. Otherwise, Christianity will never quite make sense to you. You're no longer living this Christianity, this Christian life in your own power or or in your own strength. You're living it in the power of God. Look what it says in verse 2. And because you belong to Christ, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Wow. You and I are set free. And now we live life in the spirit. Remember what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden? Remember what God promised? He said, if you take that fruit, the the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And what did they do? They took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And did they die? They died spiritually, and it wasn't long before they died physically. Now here's the thing, folks. You and I are all experiencing the effects of our forefathers, Adam and Eve. I guess forefather and foremother. We're all experiencing the effects of that sin. 
Now, here's a wonderful thing. Although we will die physically, you can be born again spiritually. You can come to life and begin to live this life in the Spirit. The Bible says that our bodies cannot inherit eternal life. But if you're born again, your spirit will inherit eternal life. And the Bible says that when you and I get to heaven, we're going to be given brand new bodies. And I say hallelujah for that. (laughs) Folks, this is the gospel. This is Christianity 101. Now, let's talk for a moment about what it means to live life in the Spirit. It means you are no longer trying to please God in your own strength and in your own power and according to your own ability. You're no longer got the checklist out, do not, do not swear, do not lie, do not cheat, do not commit adultery. No, what we're doing now is we're letting the Spirit of God dwell in us, live in us, and empower us to do the right thing. When Jesus came along, he preached a, a sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And he, here's what a lot of people think. They think Jesus came along, he did away with the Old Testament. Wrong. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the Old Testament. That's, that's for sure. But what he did come to do, folks, listen to this, is he came to fulfill it. And here's what I mean by that. Is it whereas for 1,500 years, Israelites were unable to keep the laws in the Old Testament, Jesus comes along and says this. If you begin to live this life in the Spirit, you will be empowered to keep all the laws of the Old Testament. The Pharisees, some of you may know them, they were like the most spiritual people in Israel. And in fact, they never did break laws. They, they were really good at not breaking any laws. And we're talking about thousands of laws. They didn't break any of them. But Jesus says this. He says, that's still not good enough. Why is that? Because on the outside, you may be able to keep the laws perfectly, but your heart is another story. And that's why Jesus says, you know, don't commit adultery. And the Pharisees say, good, I don't, I don't. But Jesus, Jesus says, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You may not commit adultery on the outside, but you're committing adultery on the inside. You're fantasizing, you're imagining it. So guess what, Jesus says? You're breaking the law. And the disciples step back and say, who on earth can live out this Christian life? Who can do this? Jesus says, nobody. I'm paraphrasing a bit. Nobody can live this life. But the Spirit of God living in you can. You've got to get this. Because this is the beginning of real victory in your life. This is when Christianity begins to really make sense. When you realize that although you can't keep the laws of God, the Spirit of God living in you can, and he will. Listen to this. In, let's look at this next passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So Paul's pointing it out. You're trying to keep the laws of God, but you can't do it. That's what he's saying here. Because of our our weak and sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son, Jesus, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus said to Adam and Eve, in the day that you take the fruit, you're going to die. 
But now go, here's what Easter's about, people. Listen. God says, I love Bob too much. I don't want him to die. I love Jeff too much. I don't want Jeff to die. I love Doris too much. I don't want her to die. I love Alan too much. I don't want him to die. I love Leonard too much. I don't want Leonard to die. So what does God do? He sends his own son to die in our place. Now here's what you need to understand because in our day and age when we don't understand the justice of God, in fact, we don't like justice. We're trying to do away with justice as much as possible. We want to do whatever we want to do. We find it hard to understand this. But listen to me. Just as there are laws that govern nature and the universe, so there are spiritual laws. And they cannot ever be broken. These are laws that hold it all together. And so in order for God not to break the law in his love for us, he sends his own son to die for us so that you don't have to die, so that the spirit of God can come and live in you, so that you don't, you don't have to fall under judgment or condemnation anymore. So the next time the devil comes along and says, you're a loser, you're, you're never going to make it, you're never going to mount to anything, you say, you know what, Satan, you're right. But there is somebody who can live this life. His name is Jesus, and he lives in me. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I am more than victorious through Jesus Christ. This life in the Spirit, it's phenomenal. Look what it says in verse 4 here. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. Now here's the thing. Remember we prayed at the beginning because I said we're going to talk about something very supernatural. For those of you who have given your hearts to Christ and you say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to pay close attention to this. And the others who are here to discover what Christianity is about, here it is. When you become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes into you to empower you to live a life that pleases God. Remember, he's called the Holy Spirit. The word holy means what? To be set apart for God's purposes. Everybody who calls himself or herself a Christian is a person who's been set apart for God's purposes. And the Spirit of God comes to live in you to empower you and to help you to live that life. Okay, now that's the beginning. Here's the next step. Here's what you will discover if you are walking solidly with God. You will begin to discover on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis, the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit. He'll poke you. He'll tap you on the shoulder. He'll say, don't do that. He never says it like this, don't do that. He says it like this, don't do that. He nudges us. He tells us gently what we should do. Now listen, folks, this is why it is so critical that you and I have a daily walk with God where we are in the habit of listening to the Spirit. 
the Bible, the Bible shows the Holy Spirit as a dove. Remember when Jesus is baptized and it says the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon Jesus as a, as a dove? Why? Because the Spirit is gentle. And here's what you need to understand about love. God's not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do. Life in the Spirit means that we are fine-tuned in listening to what the Spirit is saying. Folks, this is, this is what love is. I don't force Gloria to love me and care about me. I hope that she will do that of her own free will and vice versa. Listen, this is the way the Christian life is. God expects us to love him out of our own free will, to respond to his love for us. And the Spirit of God prompts us and nudges us in the direction we should go. Now, here's the thing. We're going to make one of two decisions. We're either going to say, no, I don't want to do what the Spirit of God wants me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Folks, this is the difference between living according to the sinful nature and living according to the Spirit of God. You and I come to that place where we're saying, God, I want to please you. I no longer want to please me. In our marriage, 25 years in August, I hope you don't mind me telling you this, but it's a, to me it's the most exciting thing in the world right now. My whole life is dedicated, devoted to figuring out how I can bless and love my wife and vice versa. Folks, this is the way it is with you and your walk with God. What is it that prompts me to please my wife? What is it that prompts Gloria to please me? I'll tell you what it is. It's called love. And that's what the nudging of the Holy Spirit, it's a love for God that nudges you to do what pleases him and not what pleases you. Every marriage problem here today is because somebody in the marriage or both people in the marriage are not trying to please the other, they're trying to please themselves. Can I get a witness? Yes, yes, yes. So it is in our walk with God. If you want to please God, then you need to respond to that gentle nudging that says, love God and not yourself. Now, I can guarantee you this. This is not just for some people. It's for absolutely everyone who calls himself or herself a follower of Christ. Now, here's the thing that's going to happen if you don't follow the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's gentle. It's very gentle. Here's what happens. You will feel guilt and shame. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You will feel really guilty. And you will feel ashamed of yourself. Now, for some people, they think, oh, that means I better, that, that, means, that means I've lost, there's, it means there's no point going on, it means I can't be a Christian, it means I'm a failure, there's no point going on. Listen to me. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But when you feel those pangs of guilt and of shame, that's your cue to go make things right with your Lord. I know when I've hurt Gloria, and she knows when she's hurt me. And if I've hurt her feelings or she's hurt my feelings, does that mean the marriage is over? Oh, I hurt your feelings. This is not going to work. We can't be married anymore. 
The reason we've been able to go on for 25 years is because we do the right thing. And listen to me, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When you know you've done the wrong thing, you go and do the right thing. What do you do? You go and say, I'm sorry, dear. And she comes to me and says, I forgive you. (laughs) Or I'm sorry, dear. Listen, this is the way it is in your walk with God. Some of you have failed, you've made mistakes, and you think, oh, well, I can't live this Christian life. Listen to me. Don't believe the lies of Satan. You have entered into a relationship with Almighty God, and he loves you. And if you're feeling guilty or feeling shame for something you've said or, or done, just run to him and say, I'm sorry, Lord. And watch the Spirit of God just flood your heart and give you peace. Knowing this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You will never have the judgment or the condemnation of God on your head, but what you will always have is his love and his forgiveness. If you fail God, if you're failing God even now, don't run from him, run to him. He's waiting for you. I want you to imagine the arms of our Father wide open saying, come to me, child. Come. Let's get it sorted out. We'll wash those sins away and we'll start fresh. Folks, that is what it is to live life in the Spirit. Now here's the glorious thing, the fourth and final thing I need to tell you about life in the Spirit. You listen to that prompting of the Spirit And when you get it wrong, you go to him and you say sorry. And now here's the neat thing. This to me is the most exciting part. Is that God wants to use you as a partner in the great work of sharing his love with a broken and hurting world. He's calling you, he's calling me to work with him in bringing hope and love and healing and health and hope to a broken world. And the Spirit of God will begin to prompt you. But you've got to be listening, saying, God, what what do you want me to do? What great work do you you have for me to do? God, what are you going to do in my life today? What great thing is going to happen today, God? What are we going to do to make this world a better place? And then watch what God does. Some are going to Africa. Some are going to the Philippines this summer. Some of you have already been, and you've experienced the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit through your life. After I came home from Africa last year, I've been getting emails through the course of the year from different pastors saying, thank you so much. What a difference you made in my life. Thank you so much for listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is what God wants to do through all of us. This is life in the Spirit. What you and I need to do is we need to learn how to start listening. And I'm going to tell you this. The Holy Spirit will start speaking to you in ways that you never expected. This past week, uh, last Sunday at our small group, we had a great discussion happening I'm going to ask Barry and Chris to come. We're going to close with a song in a moment. But the Spirit of God was really speaking in the midst of our small group. This is why it's so important, folks, to take every opportunity 
Come to church on Sunday. Do your devotions every day. Get involved in a small group. Watch what the Holy Spirit will do. And so we were having discussion, and, and here's something Gloria said. Uh, this is an email that I got this past week. Something Gloria said last week really hit home, this person says. She talked about the responsibility to model Christ-like behavior at work and in daily life because she was a pastor's wife and a Christian. To me, I saw that as a responsibility, most of us, this is a responsibility most of us take too lightly, myself included. I want to reflect a more Christ-like attitude. Please thank Gloria for me. It was something I needed to hear. It's amazing because that really wasn't what the small group was about, but it was a nugget of truth that God took and used to minister to someone's heart. Listen, folks, this is how the Spirit of God works. He works in miraculous ways, in ways that you and I don't expect. But our hearts have got to be open. And we've got to be able to say, today, God, speak to me. What is it that you want to do in my life? How do you want to use me today, God? And watch the miracles begin to happen. After the service this morning, I had someone come up to me after and said, Pastor, thank you for your message this morning. I want you to know I was drowning spiritually. I was drowning. I knew I was doing things I shouldn't do. I knew I was sinning. And I just felt that I had no choice, I had no power of it. Some of you might be like that today. You feel you got no power. The, the sinful nature has taken over and, and you've got no choice. You've got to give in to that sin. You've got to give in to that temptation. I'm telling today, you don't. The Spirit of God has come to dwell within you, to empower you, to live this life that pleases God. And somebody else come to me and said, for years I struggled, struggled, feeling so condemned, so judged, feeling that like God hates me, feeling that the church looks down at me. I feel like everybody, but today I know, I know, I know that God loves me, he cares about me, he's not finished with me yet. And somebody else come to me after the service this morning, tears in their eyes. Said, I can't, I can't get into it right now, but you have no idea how much I needed to know and hear those words. I'm not judged, I'm not condemned, I'm loved. You need to know that today. You are loved by God so much. And he knows the struggle you're going through. He knows your weakness. He knows how often you get it wrong, but he loves you. And he wants you to begin to learn to live that life in the spirit where you learn to say yes to God and no to yourself. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing? We're going to pray in just a moment, but I want to tell you this this morning. Satan hates your guts, but it doesn't matter because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. God wants you to overcome this week. Whatever condemnation or judgment that you've been experiencing in your heart, I want you right now just to let it go in Jesus' name, knowing today that God loves you, his hand's upon you. Know today, know this today, that you have the Holy Spirit living in you and through you. You're not walking alone. So to this week, would you listen to the voice of the Spirit gently speaking to you, and would you say, yes, Lord, yes, I'll do what you want me to do. 
And watch what happens. Watch the miracles begin to take place in your marriage, your workplace, your personal life, and especially in your walk with God. Father, I just want to pray a special blessing upon each one as your spirit does a special work in our hearts and lives. God, help us, we pray, to hear your voice of love and not the voice of condemnation or judgment that we've been so accustomed to hearing. Lord, we just want to reject that right now in Jesus' name. Help us to live in the victory that's ours through Christ. We thank you, God, that you love us. We thank you that you're at work here right now. So God, take us and use us to do great things in our marriage and in our family and our workplace, wherever we are this week. As the people read through Romans chapter 1 to 7, God speak to their hearts and open their hearts to receive truth that is transformational. May the joy of the Lord flood their hearts. We pray it for Christ's sake. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, you're free in Christ. Christ.